And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Matthew. So it's the first book in the New Testament. And you can turn to chapter 6 as we begin. And again, we want to welcome everyone here this morning. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here of Christ Central. And I'm going to be speaking this morning. And we're going to be continuing a series all about Jesus from the book of Matthew. And we've been uh, going through that these last couple of months. And as we head into this Christmas season... And this morning, we're going to be picking things up from chapter 6, and as we uh, do that, I just want to sort of set the context. We're going to read uh, a section from chapter 6 that's part of the bigger uh, teaching of Jesus that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, Brent started us off two weeks ago, and then Gary continued, and then we're going to keep following through. So I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to do a bit of an intro just again to set the context for it so you understand sort of what's going on before and where this gets placed in. And then we're going to look at some very practical things on an important subject today about money and how Jesus talked about money and how that affects our spiritual life and every aspect of our lives. And it's an appropriate one as we are into the Christmas season and uh, we get into topics such as giving and budgets and finances and things like that and about how sometimes people go a bit crazy uh, with money and things like that. So that's what we're going to discuss. So let's pick it up with God's Word, and let's read um, from chapter 6. And what we're going to do in this passage, uh, Jesus talks about three things. He talks about money, and then he talks about prayer, and then he talks about fasting. So what I've done is I'm just going to focus on the sections on giving and money today, and then next week we'll come back and look at the ones on prayer and fasting. Okay? So let's read this together. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness, before other people, in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Then we're going to jump ahead to verse 19. And Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let me just begin with an intro. Because again, we have to understand these passages sort of in the bigger picture of the context that Jesus was speaking, and this is what we've been trying to set up in these last uh, really couple months, especially these last couple of weeks. That the bigger picture is that Jesus, and as we have any time of the year, should be understanding and are able to talk about as it's the Christmas season that Christ has come, Jesus has come, and He's come not just a, a little baby, okay, in Bethlehem, and that's kind of where it stops. Jesus has come as the King over His universe. So he left his father's throne above and he's come to planet earth and he is 
the king. And as Angela spoke, even in worship, Jesus was there at the beginning. He always existed. He was there in creation. And he helped speak the word that brought all of creation into being. This is his land. It's his planet. It's his people. And how sin separated us from God. And Jesus is that king who's come to reestablish his kingdom. And that's what we've been learning about the king and his kingdom. So everything Jesus is talking about today, about money, it's in that context of we need to be about his kingdom. And Brent did a great job. I encourage you again, two weeks ago, just talking about how do we enter this kingdom? How do we enter this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God? And Brent talked about how we come in humility and we repent and we come to Jesus. And then things change. And Gary picked it up last week. Because in this kingdom, it affects every aspect of our lives. It affects the values that we have. So much so, as Gary talked about last week, it affects things like anger and lust. Okay? And how we treat our enemies. All those things. So following Jesus, following the king, being part of the kingdom of God, it affects everyday life. Not just somewhere down the road in eternity. It affects the here and now. And that's what we're going to pick up again today. And Jesus raised really, in a sense, the standard because Jesus added a whole new thing in or reminded of what was talked about in the Old Testament. It's not just what you do or don't do before God because he's the righteous one. It's also your heart. And as Gary talked about, talked about last week, you're almost like, like time out. This is like too, the standard's too high. Okay. No, the standard isn't too high that we're too low because we have this problem as we talk about so many times that thankfully Jesus okay he met the standard he met the standard and Jesus did this great exchange that as Adam talked about before he wrote our report card put our name on his and we get the A plus okay? and that he qualifies us and he gives us a helper the Holy Spirit so the things we're going to talk about today you have to understand them in that context Otherwise, you'll probably just, you'll be like, oh, this is maybe for other people who are more holy and more righteous and who are, you know, more smart and all that, but this isn't for me. No, Jesus' teachings are for everybody. And if we follow Jesus, we enter a new kingdom. He puts his Holy Spirit in it, who's a helper, okay, who's going to help us to live now life in the kingdom. That's good news. And this is how we enter as we begin today talking about money is that Jesus begins. He says, the standards here, all these things. And then the first thing he says is, beware. And he talks about two things that we're going to look at today. One is, he says, you can be really, really, in a sense, religious. Or you can be, in the sense that you're doing good things, but your motivation for doing them is to please other people. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. The other extreme is this. You're so worldly and you're so gathering and you're all about me, 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 that you're not giving in your collecting things. Those are sort of the two extremes. We're going to tackle the first one. As Jesus saw these Pharisees who in his day were fulfilling the law and they gave and they were supposed to do all these things and the three major things were is to give money to the poor, was to pray and to fast, which I said we'll look at next week. And they did all those things. They did them really well. And you would think Jesus would be like, Hey, guys, great job. Way to go. You're following everything that God in the Old Testament said to you. You're giving to the poor. You're praying. You're fasting. Well done. And you think Jesus would applaud 
them. Instead, Jesus was furious with them. And Jesus adds a whole other element. He says it's not just the external, it's not just sort of formal giving. Jesus is looking at the heart. He's looking at the motives. He's looking at, he's testing these things. What are the real reasons for this sort of righteous living? And that really shakes the foundation of if you sort of believe in, man, if I'm just a good person, then God will be happy with that. This Jesus sort of rocks that whole world. Because Jesus is saying, you can be doing all the right things, but what's your motivation for doing them? And Jesus goes to the heart. He goes to the deeper issues of not just what it looks like on the outside, because that's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees, their bottom line issue was they were more in it to please people around them than they were to please God. And Jesus said, that's the wrong way to go about things. He's saying, if you're more concerned about people, then you're making them an idol over pleasing God. And if you're going to go about doing good just so people will pat you on the back and people will say, hey, that Joe, what a great guy. Do you see all the good things that he's doing? And you're going to get all your praise and all your pats on the back and it's going to feed your self-esteem and you're, you're going to maybe build your identity on it and you're going to think, I'm right with God because look at all the good I'm doing. And people say I'm doing a great job. Jesus cuts right through that. He says you can do all those things, but you can still miss the whole thing. So in this first point, it's really not about the money. It's more about the heart. Now let me just stop there for a second to say this. This doesn't mean that other people shouldn't see necessarily your good works. Okay? Because Jesus just said back in chapter 5, and we kind of skipped over it because we didn't have time to go through every verse. Because Jesus also said this. Once you're part of the kingdom and you're a follower of Jesus, you're like a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Okay? And the newsboys here in North America had a famous song okay, many years ago called Shine. It was all about shine. Make them wonder what you got. Okay? They, let them see your good works okay? so that they will glorify God. So that's going to happen. But do you understand what the key difference is? Is that we can do good. We can do good in the community individually. We can do good as a church. And if other people recognize it and they want to talk about it and it brings glory to God, hallelujah! But our motivation isn't to please other people. Do you see the difference in it? We want to do it because we're pleasing God whether anyone else sees it or not. So if the news or the media picks up on something that's good, we're not going to like say, oh, we can't talk about it. If people want to talk about it, great! Because it brings glory to God that His church is alive that his church is concerned about the poor, that the church is doing good things. People want to talk about that? Absolutely. That's wonderful. But that's not our motivation to get good press. (laughs) Okay? Our motivation isn't to try to impress the city so that we pat ourselves on the back and we're proud about it. There's a difference there. So we can do good works. We can do all these things. Because that's what Jesus is saying. So the issue isn't like, okay, we don't want to be prideful on that, so we'll stop giving. No, Jesus said, when you give. So there's an assumption there that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to give. Do you catch that? And we'll see it next week. When you pray. So it's already assumed, when you give. So the question is, how do we give? And once again, we go back to the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Let me just read this from 2 Corinthians 8-9. Paul writes this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Let me read that again. 2 Corinthians 8-9. Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. That's the starting point. When it comes to giving, we recognize that we have received. So when you give, who do we think of? We think of Jesus. We think of Jesus. Jesus who pre-existed, okay, before earth and all of that and before He came in human form. Jesus, okay, completely in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit in heaven, okay, glorifying one another, enjoying each other's company, okay, completely secure in the Trinity, in the Godhead. And Jesus, with angels and elders and living creatures and things we can't even quite comprehend with eyes and all that, worshiping Him and wings and everything we read about, He left, even though He was rich. He left and He came to planet Earth. And He was born poor in a manger. And He grew up poor, carpenter's son. And as He lived His life on Earth, He was poor. He didn't live in palaces, so there wasn't even a place to rest His head. And Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that by His poverty, we might become rich. Meaning salvation. Meaning that Jesus, when He went to the cross, and as He gave His life, who was perfect, as we celebrate at Easter, that He paid the penalty for sin, that He removed the partition so that we can be restored to our Father, that the chains fell off of those addictions and sin patterns that were filled with His Spirit that we can now. And the picture I had during worship as we were singing about Jesus and Angela was saying, the power in the name of Jesus. Okay? There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. It's only in the name of Jesus. And I had this picture of Jesus like pulling us out of hell. And then Jesus also says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And we go in the name of Jesus, and we pray in the name of Jesus, and we preach in the name of Jesus. And that's the picture for every one of us, that we're rich. We've been saved. We have a secure future. We're loved by the Father. We can say, we have found our hope. We have found our peace. We have found our rest because of this great Father who's loved us and demonstrated it through His Son, Jesus Christ, who gave His life and we put our faith in Him. We're rich, folks. We're rich. We're rich. We're richer than we think. <laughs> Bank of Nova Scotia didn't come up with that first, okay? That's from the Bible, all right? They stole it from the Bible. It was there first. We're richer than we ever thought possible. Unfortunately, most of the time, we only define rich as in monetary terms. But folks, we're rich, okay? Because we now know our Father in Heaven who created us. So when we come to the whole area of giving, and we come to the whole area of finances, that's our starting point. We start with God. And how do we give? 
Jesus says to give in secret. You know, it's kind of an ironic thing that almost everywhere else in Scripture, anything done in secret is usually bad. Mostly secrets talked about sin. So we want to bring everything into the light. And Satan works in the darkness and in secrets. This is the only time that secret is a positive thing. In prayer and in giving and in fasting, when it's done in secret, that's a quiet thing. We don't boast about it. We don't brag about it. Now, it doesn't mean, and as we're probably going to do here, I'll talk more next week, sometimes we get together, and even within our life groups, within church, sometimes we focus on prayer. Sometimes we have days of fasting. It doesn't mean we can't talk about those things. Don't get me wrong. But we don't boast about them in trying to improve our standing with God. It's grace, okay? We can't earn anything with God. It's we give because he's given to us. So we do it quietly. It's a voluntary thing. When you give, it's not under compulsion. We read about other places in the Bible. It's a very voluntary thing. So we can even say, just as Adam did this morning, okay, you want to give, you're free to be able to give. If you're unable or you don't want to, you don't have to. We're not going to force you to give. So you didn't pay to get in here this morning because it's a voluntary thing. It's done out of love. And we want a very generous spirit. And being generous, sometimes we make sacrifices. So we give up something in order for that money to go here. And that's what we try to do with our kids. Okay? We try to practice that, and we try to help them understand we are not doing this, and here is the money that we were going to do to give that because we're giving that money to this. So it's being generous, but being generous doesn't mean it can't be sacrificial. So sometimes we think generous, it's whatever we have left, we're going to give that away. Sometimes it's actually saying no to other things so that you can be generous and open-hearted and we want to be joyful and folks we want to be thankful okay the church should be the most thankful place on planet earth because again we realize how much we've received and to add to that we have a father who is watching we have a father okay we again he sees what is done in secret most of the time we think that's a scary because most of the times we approach God like Santa Claus, don't we? Okay? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And now we have the elf on the shelf. Has anyone seen elf on the shelf? Crazy. So you buy this elf, you scare your kids by putting the elf somewhere different in each room because the elf is watching to see if they've been bad or good. And at night you move the elf around. I mean, it's just like... <laughs> that's the world we live in. But you know what? That affects us. I can honestly say, growing up, man, I thought God was like Santa Claus. He sees me. So three weeks before Christmas, you start to like pay attention, and you start to, like, I better behave. <laughs> Folks, we miss it if we think God's like that. When we talk about rewards, which the Bible talks a lot about, you have to understand the character and the nature of God. And this is really, really key. When we talk about rewards, it's primarily not on rewards because of what we've done, which is good, although that's what it amounts to. But the heart is this. God is a giving God. God is a God of love. It's his character to give. 
And I believe God doesn't give rewards because we've been good. I believe God gives rewards because he's such a giving God. He just looks for opportunities to give and to give and to give and to give and to give. And in his grace and his mercy, he allows us to think that maybe it's us who deserves the reward when he just wants to reward because he's a giving God. Do you see the difference? That's the character of God. He's, it's like irresistible giving. Hey, there's my kids being good. Boom, blessing. I'm going to reward them. No one else saw that. That was great. I saw them giving up this that no one else knows, and they gave to that. And hallelujah. Now, Jesus doesn't specifically say when the reward's going to come. So we're not into the health, wealth, and prosperity that as you give to God, he's going to give back to you with interest. And sometimes he does that. But that's not our motivation. Okay? Maybe it's going to be in heaven that we're going to realize what we gave on planet Earth, God saw. And actually, what's it going to do? It's going to give more honor and glory to Jesus. What a great thing. So instead of being scared, we should be amazed. And you know what? That makes giving a whole lot more fun. It should be a joyful thing. Because when you realize God is your God, not money, then you can give much more freely. And the bonus is we get a reward. We do get a reward. The Bible's full of saying you'll get rewards for the good that you have done. But we want our motivation to be right and we understand that's just another one of God's grace things. Not only does he save us by his grace, he adopts us by his grace. We don't deserve it, but he does it. And then he continues to lavish us as his children with rewards, even though sometimes we don't really deserve it. So folks, first point, it's not really about the money. It's about your heart. It's about understanding the gospel and understanding Jesus, that he's our example, that he's demonstrated for us, that he left his riches, became poor, so that we might become rich. How can we not, as we're filled with the love of God, have a generous heart like our Father in heaven does so that we give both to the poor and regularly. And for here at Christ Central, we just some of the practical everyday life things. We have a benevolent fund as part of our church that you can give to if you want to. You can mark it. And we've got a whole team that makes decisions. There's three levels there of giving. So under whatever, 150, there's different things. We fill out forms. We all record it so it's all legal and everything and all of the privacy laws and all the Canadian revenue and all those important things that help us to be responsible. And there's another level that we have to get a bit more paperwork. And we have to make sure that we can give and help people. And then there's a larger one. We can give larger amounts. And we don't brag about that. Most of you people don't under... It's all there if anyone wants to think. But that's part of church life. We've got our regular giving. You can give. You can get tax receipts. You give your names. All those practical things. That's the law of the land we live in. We can use it for good. And then there's many things that you do as life groups. You take up little offerings as your life groups. And you give, and there's no tax receipt. No one even knows outside your life group that you're doing it. And your individual stuff, people are helping all the time. Got a generous church. And I just encourage you to keep being generous. Okay, and as we enter into a new year, as we look at a new building, all those different things. Okay, Dave Felly, when he's here, said to us, it's going to be like, that whole process is like, going to be like us on the anvil. And God's going to hammer things out in our church about finances. So this is an important message, both 
before Christmas and as we follow God's word, but for the future. Now, the ironic thing is this, and we'll go quickly through this. First point, I said, it's not about the money. Second point is, it is all about the money. Because Jesus makes it very clear, you cannot serve God and money. And he talks about really two treasures. He talks about earthly wealth or eternal wealth. And let me just say this. When I talk about, so he goes one extreme. He says, hey, you got money, you're giving it away, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And then he says, the other, thing, the other extreme is, you can have all this money, you can hoard it all to yourself and want more. And both of those are not good in God's eyes. So he goes after the heart, but then he also goes after the practicality. And folks, we can go sort of two aspects of that. We can just want more and more money, and we can hoard things, and we can lust after more, and we're never satisfied, and we just keep going. Or, and that way money becomes our God, or we can have no money, and having no money becomes our God. Because we're so focused on what we don't have, and maybe coveting others, or maybe life isn't fair, and going through all these things, that we make that our God. Instead of saying, like Angela said, hey, we're just going to pronounce God's our provider. And we're going to press into God that he's a faithful God. So worldly wealth can have a hold on us, whether we have a lot or whether we have none. And we read, as Paul writes, 1 Timothy 6, he says, okay, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we see that all throughout history. It doesn't say it's the root of all evil. It says the root of all kinds of evil. So money is a very powerful thing. And that's why Jesus nails it head on. He says, or you can have eternal wealth. Because he goes through, you know what? What's important? He's like, really, what do you value? And how many times have we heard, if you want to look at what people value, look at their bank account. And that will reveal what people value. So if it's clothes or fashion, that will, that will affect our finances. And Jesus says, well, they're just going to wear away anyways. And fashions change all the time. So that's not a good one to really put as a god. And he says, hey, maybe it's precious metals. You're going to put in gold, silver, all that. Eh, it's all going to burn. Oh, possessions. Maybe you're going to put it in that. Ah, someone can steal them. And he goes through all those things that are important to us and even 2,000 years ago. He says, don't put your trust in those things. He says, put your trust in this. Stuff that your Father in Heaven has that no one can steal, that won't be destroyed, that won't rot away, and it won't rust. So giving and sharing is an eternal thing. Forgiving each other, that's an eternal thing. God notices that. When we speak kind words to one another, God notices that. Those are all eternal, heavenly things that are full of treasure that no one else can take away. That's why the Bible talks a lot about for your enemies, you pray for them, you give to them, and they're just like, what's going on with that? That is so upside down. That's a heavenly thing. That's an eternal thing. Jesus talked about this. He talked about the eye. Eye, window of the soul. He equates eye with heart. And what do we mean by heart? Andy just sang about it. He's like, hey, if you ask Jesus in your heart, what do you mean? Oh, Jesus in my heart, physical heart. What do, this is what heart means. It's this. It's the center of one's being and it involves our emotions, desires, reason, and will. It's the whole package, okay? So it's the whole thing. What you just can't put flesh on, okay? It involves your mind. It involves reason. It involves your will because you can believe this thing, but your will is telling you this. It can affect your emotions and your desire. All of that rolled into one. That's our heart. 
And we want Jesus to be central and number one in our hearts. We want Him to affect our emotions and our desires and our reason and our thinking and in our will and our values and our decisions. And Jesus is saying, eyes let light in. Eyes can let other things in. Eyes can be shut so it's dark. And He's saying, good eye is this. You've got clear vision. You're focused on good. And He's saying specifically to money, good, clear vision heart is one that's full of generosity, one that's open-handed, one that holds things loosely. It doesn't mean you can't have money. Okay, I should have said that earlier. Other places in the Bible, okay, command you, provide for your family. That's good. Proverbs is full of, hey, be wise, store up for the future. Okay, gather now so you're ready in case something else happens. That's good. The Bible's full of, enjoy what God's given to you. That's good. Jesus is saying, but don't be selfish. Don't let that become an idol. Don't let that rule you. And he's saying double vision is you're blurry. So if you've got one eye on God and one eye on money, guess what? You're going to walk a crooked path. And we just sang about this morning, we want to lift our eyes. And Angela talked about it with the sunflower illustration. We don't focus on all the other things. We lift our eyes and we turn them to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. And folks, bottom line, just to close, is Jesus says this, and this is quite a specific thing. He's saying money and God are really like, both of them are like, in a sense, slave owners. They're not employers. Okay? So you can work for two employers. You can work this job over here, and at a different time you can work over here, and you can please both. But that, we're not, that's not the words that Jesus uses. He says this, you are either going to be a slave to God, or you're going to be a slave to money. It's one or the other. It's not half and half. Because a slave is, deals with ownership, and it deals with focus and commitment, and that you're only going to obey that who you are connected to, who's your owner. And Jesus is very clear that it's either going to be God or money. And folks, again, we have to just call a spade a spade. Money is a powerful. When I talk about money, I'm talking like wealth, possessions, like everything involved with it. It is a powerful thing. And all we have to do is look at the last four years, don't we, of our economic system here in North America. And what do we see? We see scandals, and we see lying, and we see no ethics, and we see greed. And you think, man, these guys and gals, they already had millions, if not billions, and yet, why would they do all that? Behind the scenes, to try to get even more. And we, quick to judge them, but we realize we're not much different, are we? And we realize we don't want to be a slave to money. Power, possessions, all those things that come with it. And that word money, mammon, okay, there's a Hebrew word that comes from, is this, it's to entrust, it's to basically say this, where do you put your confidence? That's the bottom, that's what Jesus is saying. Where are you going to put your confidence? Are you going to put your confidence in your bank account, on your job, on your retirement package, on an inheritance that's coming? 
on the lottery, on wishful thinking? Where do you put your confidence? And that's really going to dictate and show who really are you going to trust. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, are you going to serve God or money? John Stott says this. He says, God entrusted us with all we have. And listen to this. It is supreme treason to prize the gift above the donor. So again, it comes back to when we realize, and that's why we have to have that kingdom perspective. It all belongs to God. And he's entrusted some to us. How are we going to use it? And folks, if we've been blessed with a lot, okay, be generous and hold it loosely. <laughs> okay, hold it loose. It can all be gone tomorrow, but that doesn't have to destroy your world because you can know that God's my provider, okay, and heaven is coming. And if you have nothing, don't let poverty be your God, that that rules you so much about what you don't have, that you don't take time to be thankful for what you do have, and maybe begin to look and see, God, how can I, with your help, have more so that I can be generous as well? Folks, money is a big deal. And we want to be people that are generous givers with the right heart, that we want to do good, but our motivation is to please God, not to be imp- okay, not to impress other people. We want to know that our Father in Heaven, who is a generous God, sees what's done in secret, and He's going to reward us. Maybe now, maybe in Heaven and eternity. That we have to understand there's a battle going on and money's a powerful thing. We don't want our treasure to be in those things. We want our treasure to be God. And we won't want to be a slave to money or to wealth or to poverty. We want to follow our master, Jesus. And at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, what do I value? What am I putting my confidence in? That's the question to ask. You've got lots to talk about in life groups this week. Where do you put your confidence? Okay. We've got to end with a great quote, and then I'm going to transition because Martin and Anne are going to come share something. Thomas Brooks lived, ooh, I think, in the 1500s. If you ever want to read a great book, do you know that one, Bart? When? 1600s, yeah. Thomas Brooks, this is a, what a title for a book, eh? Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. <laughs> it's a great book. That's a Don Smith recommended one every time. Okay, He forced me to read that when I first met him. Best thing he did. Okay. Thomas Brooks says this, and all the hardship of what was going on in the 1600s. Okay? One of the things he says, fabulous quote, for a close, remember this, that your life is short, your duties many, your assistance great, and your reward sure, Therefore, faint not, I love that language, eh? Faint not, hold on, and hold up in ways of well-doing, and heaven shall make amends for all. Folks, we've got to have an eternal perspective that life's unfair on earth, all those things, but heaven is going to make amends for all. So as we give, our Father in heaven sees.
he's going to reward. Now, I've asked Martin and Anne to come. They're going to take about five minutes, so I'm going to ask them to come. So this is Martin and Anne Tupasing, and they go right along with this message. Hey, Martin and Anne have been with us just over four years. Go ahead, John. You can change that around. I'll give you that as well. Okay. So Martin and Anne, they're going to share. Okay, have been with us just over four years now and have been just a fabulous uh, part of our church and have served us so well, and we've just loved to get to know them more and be knitted into church life. And they're going to be leaving. Um, they're transitioning with a whole new, in a sense, uh, opportunity before them. And so I'm going to get them to share, and then we're going to come back. We're going to be praying for them at our prayer meeting tonight. And uh, so I'll get them to share, and then I'll come back and just close with a couple of things. So 